Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. We're back with another episode of Basic Cryptonomics, and I hope, I sincerely hope, that you were able to listen to our episode featuring Believes. And Believes is, he's an influencer by definition, and he has a platform I'd strongly recommend you check out. He's on crypt, on YouTube. You can find him at Tom Nationwide on Twitter, but also Believes Crypto with two E's. I strongly encourage you to check out his coverage. He is strong in data. And if you're one of those that wants to better understand how to interpret crypto charts, I can think of nobody who does as good a job of simplifying it down and what you should expect. He also covers a lot of cryptocurrencies, some of which I have not covered for my own reasons. So if you want more coverage and the diversity of coverage, check him out as well. He also has been featured on other shows other than mine, like the Sandstorm. So if you're into Sandstorm, his show, then he's been there as well. I think more is always good. You have a diversity of coverage from different angles. And so I strongly recommend, if you can, get on multiple platforms. Obviously, there's only so much time in the day. But you can create your own, quote, radio station if you are you have the right tool to uh, add them to those platforms. Now, for the ones that are on YouTube, it's a bit tricky, right? Because you can't add those to your podcast application. That's why I like to try to feature some guests as much as I can where they're willing and they want to smoke so that you can have at least some coverage that I can contribute because I do know that it's hard to find it. It's all over the place. We also have CryptoTalkRadio.net, which I hope you are sharing to people who would benefit from the information, where we list all of our different platforms for basic cryptonomics as well as our other podcasts. The other podcast, specifically Gentleman's World, is getting increased amount of guests on the show. I'm about to record with one here in a couple hours, as a matter of fact. And both podcasts, both Basic Cryptonomics and Gentleman's World, are two episodes per week. Basic Cryptonomics is Tuesday and Thursday. Gentleman's World is Monday and Wednesday. So if you like our delivery and our cadence and our style, then I would recommend checking out Gentleman's World. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify for your convenience. If you're a boxing fan or you know somebody who is, For the Love of Boxing is available on YouTube. Check it out as well. It just hit 100 subscribers a little bit ago. And then, of course, Basic Cryptonomics on YouTube hit it, so 100 subscribers. So we are growing, but we recognized early on we needed to diversify where we prior our coverage. And so I think now we have the best synergy of exposure to grow because the more that we grow, the more we can provide the content, the better the quality of the content. Hopefully you've noticed that it gets better with time, like a fine wine. And that's our goal. And that's our mission. But for today's episode, let's get into some news. Since we did not get an opportunity to do the news like we normally would have done, I think it's good. Now there's some things happening and it piggybacks over to something we covered on Gentleman's World. And I recommend you listen to that episode's entirety. But what we said was that there's a correlation to some of the decline of cryptos recently, Bitcoin in particular. Ethereum is a little bit dipped. BNB is a little bit dipped. All the primaries are a little bit dipped. And then, of course, that affects all the other cryptocurrencies in the space. And we correlated this to what's happening with Russia and Ukraine. Because when there is at least the sense that there could be war on the horizon, or even if it's not war, there's at least the appearance of challenges internationally. Those tend to have broad reaching impacts because of sentiment. Investor sentiment gets harmed. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know expenses. We don't know economy. We don't know gas, energy. There's all these different, they're all tied in together. 
And the unfortunate truth is that cryptocurrency, because it has been pegged to fiat in some way, disruptions in fiat cause disruptions in cryptocurrency. And these types of this type of turmoil that we see internationally will definitely have an impact on fiat for the close future. And some people might question, well, why is it all of a sudden a thing? Because the Russia situation has been going on since the fall of the Soviet Union. And I know that basic cryptonomics has a lot of younger listeners. We skew somewhat younger. And just to summarize it in a few sentences, when the Soviet Union cracked, it broke a superpower. And there, there was always a sentiment kind of in that region from certain people that wanted to bring it back and wanted to rise back to power and felt that certain other people on the so-called West were, they were trying to harm them or lessen them or make them a weaker position than they had been. And it is true that there's nowhere near as much power from Russia as used to be the case. And so part of what's happening, definitely listen to episode on Gentleman's World, I go into more depth as to what I think, but part of what this is causing is this, it's basically a, what they used to refer to as who has the bigger balls. There's a, a vision that the United States and other countries in NATO should kind of stay and mind their own business. And this is shared by China. It's shared by North Korea. It's shared by Russia and certain other countries that have been disrupted because of the rise of NATO and the, the coalition. So it's a, it's a very intriguing topic, but I think it's important that you understand it if you're younger because it will help you better understand some of the disruption that's happening right now in cryptocurrency, at least one of the symptoms of it. Inflation, to some degree, is also playing a factor. But I think that this whole situation overseas is one of the bigger impacts because it's been going on for years, but has never hit the kind of fever pitch that we're seeing very recently. And we don't know exactly where this one ends. At least with inflation, we know the current administration could do something about it. They just don't want to. But with this war situation, the, number one, we're not sure that the person in charge, the most powerful person in the nation and in the world, the president of the United States, we don't know how he's going to be able to handle you know, this situation. He doesn't strike as a very good diplomat, and so that can make things worse. That's, I think, part of it, but also just general sentiment about why we got to this point and why it's still a problem and why we're starting to deal with it. And the fact that it's tied to fiat, like it's all interconnected. So it's very intriguing stuff. And I know it may sound boring, but I think it's critical that you understand how things international affect you. Even if it's not your country directly, chances are your country, if you're listening to this, either they're in NATO or they're somehow associated with a country that's in NATO. That means you're affected, even if indirectly. So I would take the time, my call to action to you would be take the time to make sure you are up to speed with why we got to this point and just search research is good about Russia and Ukraine and Soviet Union and Kiev and the NATO and United States. And all of this is a lot. There's a lot to it because we're talking decades worth of issue just that got to a fever pitch under the current administration. So that's there on other news. Of course, Melania Trump, I mentioned had been in NFTs pretty hot and heavy and she apparently, what's been reported, I don't have evidence of this, but what's been reported is that she had sold one of the NFTs and it made some news because it was like millions and millions of dollars. And people did a little bit of digging into the sale because I wanted to kind of understand, okay, you were able to sell it and you're able to get that much money. Let's understand in the course, as I've said, 
the blockchain is public information and anybody can verify things that have been stated and kind of what's going on. So she had an NFT. It was on an auction and it sold in this case for not millions of dollars, but like $170,000. And that seemed like, okay, that's kind of a weird sale and a kind of weird number and what the heck's going on. So people started digging and they wanted to understand what really happened here. Allegedly, the sale was her wallet, meaning she bought her own deal. Now, the, you might think, well, first of all, that's kind of unethical. Yes, it is. But also, we have to look at a little bit deeper into the, what that means. When you have, if, if this were stock, if this were the stock market, and you put a bunch of stock up there, and then you do a bunch of buys for your stock at inflated prices, you're manipulating the market. And it's, it's illegal. You can't do that, especially if you knew, like say you had just launched it or whatever, it's manipulating the market. And so it's not, it's not looked upon favorably, even though it's crypto and crypto doesn't, isn't necessarily subject to the same regulations. It's not looked upon. It's not looked upon as a good thing. I think if it's true and allegedly it's her wallet, but if it's true that she bought her own deal and she claims that's not true, but if it's true that she bought her own deal, we have to start questioning why you would do that, number one. Are you doing it just because you're stupid? Are you doing it because you're trying to influence? Are you doing it because you didn't know what the heck's going on? We see in the, the details that clearly her wallet was involved. We see clearly that her wallet was, did receive money in the profit. And da, da, da. Now, the flip was, and some of the theory was that she was basically brokering it kind of as a third transaction. So basically find somebody who wants to buy it. Okay, I'll buy it. So I take it off the market, which doesn't make sense, but this is a theory. Take it off the market and then I'll sell it to you kind of ex parte. I still don't know why you would do that because again, if, if your intent was to take it off the market, you can take it off the market. If you're the mentor of the NFT, you can take it off the market yourself. So why would you do it that way? It's a very weird thing. My theory and this is only my theory. I have no evidence. I have no proof. I have nothing that tells me this is the case. So just to be clear, I'm not making an accusation. I'm stating what I see as potentially the case with, you know, no backing, just potentially the case. I suspect that someone, not her, but someone associated with her that is coordinating this business is too stupid to understand that blockchain can expose that this happened and they were trying to do something to drive up prices, drive up bids, offers. And they did this in order to drive up the price, which again is illegal on the stock side, but they did it with best of intentions, but didn't realize, okay, this is not good. And they were just too stupid to understand that blockchain would have exposed them. That's my theory. I have no evidence. I have no proof. I have nothing. I'm simply saying, I think it's a bad, bad situation. I don't know beyond it. That's all I got. Feel free to take a look if you're intrigued by NFT and how that's working. Feel free to. Meanwhile, she's going off and she's building or trying to build her own uh, line that's around former President Trump, where there be NFTs around Trump. Now, those... I think have the opportunity to sell big because Trump has a following even now with those people that, and let's be honest, Trump's following is two part. 
number one, there are people that like his straight up, I don't want to call it honesty because it's not really fair, but his straight up demeanor. He is very straight and just talks straight. He doesn't, he doesn't to say BS how he expresses himself. And there's that audience that appreciates that of him. There's the other audience that simply doesn't like anybody else. They don't like the what they see as the good old boys club that is and has been in office for so long. And they were appreciative that somebody outside of that club finally got in the mix and was able to breach that wall for the first time in a long time. I think since, you know, Ronald Reagan, perhaps we just, there's never been somebody that came from the outside. It's always been somebody, you know, you see it. Oh yeah. We got a Yale education or Harvard education or Howard university or you know, we were born into wealth. You know, this guy was a congressman for 50 years. And it was always, we were always inside. Thus, that person was conditioned to be in the inside. Whereas Trump came different. You know, he was inside business. But he was never inside politics at all. I don't even think he has education in politics. So I think there's that other subset that said, okay, finally, it's a different approach. And to be fair, from an economy perspective, I think Trump did better than arguably any other president has since geez clinton perhaps so i think there was an appeal there that means that he automatically out of the gate has an advantage when it comes to nfts because he's able to bank off his existing followers who we've seen would buy pretty much anything i would say though it looks bad on nfts in general that we have this thing happening on the flip side you got you know prince whatever princess megan or duchess megan or whatever and she's going on, she's creating podcasts and she's writing books and doing all this other stuff, banking on what happened with their fallout uh, with the royal family. So I, I think it's just par for the course. Uh, the Obamas did it, you know, the Bushes did it, the Clintons did it. It's just, that's how it works is you get to a level of celebrity status. And in Trump's case, he was already a celebrity going in, but I think his celebrity just increased. And I think they're banking on that. And Melania realizes there's money to be made in nfts trump himself has never been a supporter of cryptocurrency by his own words he likes the the dollar and that's cool i actually agree with him but i also recognize that we're we're destroying the u.s dollar and then other countries that pegged the u.s dollar they're being harmed because we can't get our act together down in the united states so i understand the rush to nfts it's just unfortunate is all i'll say and then the only other bit of news as you've seen as I mentioned earlier, there has been a significant drop in cryptocurrency values and predominantly broke it off Bitcoin. As I mentioned, and I talked about it with Mr. Segal a little bit ago that I expected a plateauing. And the plateauing, that, that prediction primarily came from the fact that sentiment, we still had not, we still had not gotten past the reason that we had such a loss of sentiment. Number one, we still have high inflation. Number two, unemployment still isn't in check. And number three, this Russia and Ukraine situation, not to account for the COVID situation. And if you're curious how the COVID situation ties into the prediction, in the United States, they finally, the, when I say they, I'm referring to the current administration and those that are in power, have finally started saying, you know what, let's, let's just drop the mask thing and leave it up to people to make their own decisions like a free society should. Unfortunately, it came too late. We took the vast majority of 2021 instilling fear-based science into people, freaking them out about things that were non-issues. This is not to say the, vi the virus is a non-issue. This is to say that the way we approached it was to use unrealistic fear to the point that 
notable people in science were lying to people and telling them that immunity is not enough and you can't get immune on this. You're going to die. And false numbers or even misrepresented, I should say, numbers to instill fear in people. And then now I just saw on social media, there was, you know, some, some representatives, House of Representatives coming out saying, well, yes, this is good. And we're going to remove the mask mandate and we're going to go back to normal because we think that Omicron's not as dangerous as we thought. And we believe we have enough people vaccinated and we believe we've done enough. Now it's up to the people. And they're actually responders saying, no, I, I can't go in public if they're not vaccinated. That's, that's fear-based science right there. You have created a caste-based system when you do that. And there are people now that have been so convinced because they believe everything that they hear that now they're going to just be disruptive. They're going to pull back their money because they can't be around people. All it, it was never a problem with AIDS after we got past what happened. But I'm saying once we learned, nobody had an issue being around somebody with AIDS. And the truth is the vaccine doesn't stop you from catching the virus. It doesn't stop you from spreading the virus. That means that what they were trying to do is because they knew that is to try to allow people to be around each other with the masks and the social distancing, but to simply be smart about it. Today, we know that social distancing is arguably the best way to mitigate spread because of the way that it transmits when it goes airborne. And people say, well, no, but if I'm in the same building, to which it's like if you're nowhere near that person, you're not going to catch a thing. That's the whole reason that they define the distance. And some of that's a little bit sketchy, but then viral load plays a factor the problem is that none of these specialists chimed in to tell the truth, which is, look, you're going to be at risk no matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you did or didn't get the shot. It doesn't really matter if you did or don't wear a mask because the shot just helps keep you alive. But it doesn't matter if the other person across from you did or didn't get the shot. You got the shot, so you're protected, so why are you worried? They never put that message out there. The reason I'm telling this here is because of that issue now that we've instilled fear-based science for a year and now that they're trying to lighten up to do the right thing which is to allow people to do their own decisions and make their own choices for their own lives now people are so stuck in the bubble of the lies they've been told that it's going to affect the economy again when it didn't need to when it affects the economy again that's going to affect cryptocurrency again that's why I suspected a plateau because I knew that at some point we're going to have to drop some of this. We can't sustain this long term. It's not reasonable. On the flip, I say that, but on the flip side, California is trying to ram through a law that basically requires businesses in order for you to work, you got to get a shot in your arm. So they're going the opposite direction, despite the fact that they were one of the first to try to lighten things up because they realized they couldn't sustain it. So they're still instilling fear-based science out there, which of course is just making it worse for people that are living there and they want to get out of California as quick as possible. My parents actually contacted me and said they are considering moving out of California. Finally, after being there since the, let's see the eighties, they're finally trying to get out of there and they realize that it's unsustainable and that it's not long-term healthy for them and possibly go back to where they, where they were born. And I don't blame them because where they were born is so cheap. You could probably buy a house on a credit card and it's where all the rest of the extended family is. So I think we're going to see a lot of this exodus from States that have money and that's going to affect crypto as well. I, I don't know what the effect is. I just think that sentiment in summary sentiment is still harmed because we're making stupid decisions that cause people to not be 
to not know what to do and how to manage with their money. Remember, if people can't work for a living, if they can't pursue life and liberty and happiness, they're not going to be able to have discretionary income to put towards cryptocurrency, which means many of those people are going to just basically dump FOMO into crypto, and that's not healthy either. We don't want them to do that either. We want them to take discretionary income and put it to crypto for long-term value and long-term disposable. We don't want them to give of themselves because they have no choice or they feel desperate. And a lot of people, I think, feel desperate and they're going to crypto because they need to get out of the, the rut that they're in that 2021 caused all of us. It's a bad situation. That's why I speak about it here so you understand from what I see, all of the decisions we are making not even just in the U.S., but I think another country is doing the same thing or similar. It's fear-based science. And the specialists never spoke out about the truth to denounce that to where we could simply give sensible, reasonable things. There are reasonable ways that we could have proceeded. We need to have social distancing in place. If you choose to be around other people, ultimately you need to protect yourself, whatever that means for that person. Make a decision. You either get the shot for yourself you wear masks for yourself or you social distance for yourself. Choose. We don't care which, but you need to choose of those. For those that don't choose to do any of them, that's your risk. You're going to put yourself at harm and you're going to put others in harm. You educate people so that they can be treated like the adults that many of them are. But at the same time, you're, you're risking giving children this. They're not at risk directly, but they could spread it to their parents and then elder like grandparents. So educate them as to the risk of the decision. But I don't think that mandates and forcing was ever the right option because all you did was create a desperation. And that affects cryptocurrency because now people are fumbling into cryptos trying to get the wealth that will allow them to not be dependent on the job that they're being banned from. For those that believe that bans at the workplace and, and restrictions and oh no, you have a choice. Just do it. That's not a choice. A choice with only one option is not a choice. It's a forced thing. Shaq talked about this on a podcast, actually, that if you put something mandated, no, that's not a choice and that's not the way we should be. And it creates desperation and desperation impacts all of us as crypto traders and those interested in the crypto space. We should be able to make our own choices and we should support choice so that we can strengthen everybody else. Because as I've said on a past episode, the power of cryptocurrency to possibly help us in solving the world's problems is huge. If we were to do it correctly, to do it correctly, we have to educate, not mandate. The last main bit, it's not really main, but the last piece I will briefly talk about for getting into an underdog token and then some follow on stuff on the YouTube pieces. We have a couple of things that are causing problems with mining cryptocurrency. Mining cryptocurrency is the, it's the backbone of everything that we do currently with proof of work. We depend on it. It's what makes it work. It's what makes it happen. It maintains what we need it to do. The cryptocurrency, primarily Bitcoin, but there are others out there. If we lose the mining and you've seen that in other countries, there's been kind of this crackdown because of energy use. Deep, deep, deep. Many states in the United States have been trying to attract those to come to the state and mine there. North Dakota was one recently. Texas had talked about it. Of course, they don't want them to do it during winter, but they do want them there. Illinois recently came out and said, we like them to do it. We see that there's a desire to have this continue because there are there's a recognition that there's an importance 
behind mining and we need it. We critically need it in order to support it, at least until we get past our dependence on proof of work. When proof of stake comes in, the energy usage will be nowhere close to what it is today. And we can then rethink the mining model. So some people think that, well, doing something now just creates a throwaway thing. It creates a something that's wasted, you know, waste, general waste, right, of electronics and ends up in landfills. This is potentially possible. I think what we did wrong as a society overall worldwide is the gaming PC cards, you know, the NVIDIAs and the AMDs of the world, they are today the vast majority of what do mining, but they're not powerful enough to do it because they weren't designed to do it. NVIDIA and then Intel recently started creating devices that are designed for mining because they want to get on the bandwagon and they see the reason behind doing it. The challenge is that it's too late in a sense because we're working away from the need to do the proof of work type mining. It doesn't mean we don't still have a need. It means that it's harder to justify it. It's harder to justify spending. In this case, I think NVIDIA's is like $3,000 or some stupid number. It's like it's harder to justify doing that versus just dealing with the you know $800, not now, but used to be $800 card that gets you $2 a day and just dealing with it and buy you know four of them right? And then there you get the same potential volume. It doesn't make any sense. So I'm saying, I don't think it's bad that the different gaming card manufacturers are getting smart about mining. I'm saying that I think it's a little too late. And I think that we have to have a better answer. And I don't know what that answer is. I'm not presenting a solution. I'm presenting it as the problem for dialogue and conversation and thought. How do we get around the fact that we need mining today? We won't need mining on a persistent basis in the future, but we need to somehow sustain it until we get to whatever nirvana state in the future. And we don't know when that's going to happen because we don't know when they're going to get their act together. I think we got to figure out something now and be thinking about it. 2022, I think is the perfect year to be thinking about how are we going to sustain until we can get to whatever in the future. Second, how can we get our governments to better support that transition into the new as opposed to keep fighting it with energy use do, 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 meetings that don't solve anything and they're wasting time and taxpayer money. It doesn't feel like any of them are supporting solving the problem. It also goes to the whole semiconductor constraints that are worldwide, primarily the United States, but they're worldwide. We've never solved that problem either because in the past, what has happened is that the United States prior to the Trump administration made decisions to offshore basically everything to the point that there's very little that's manufactured in the United States because of cost, you know, the salaries that it takes to pay people and the expectations of cost and inflation would make that worse. So they've always kind of relied on China and Japan and Taiwan and Mexico and other countries to build at Philippines to build, create the, the nuts and bolts, and then we would ship them to the United States and then assemble them or we would assemble them overseas and we would ship them over here and just eat that slight extra cost just so that we didn't have to pay Americans to do that same work. Well, then we get into this constraint and that's another symptom as well that's going to potentially get worse with whatever's happening in Russia and Ukraine. The semiconductor shortage, that also affects gaming cards because they're built off the same semiconductors. So now... We have an impact to mining. ASIC, A-S-I-C, mining equipment, 
has been a thing, will be a thing. And those have not had the same constraints because they're very expensive. And so not many people buy them, but they're number one cost prohibitive. But number two, many of the algorithms don't support ASICs. They block ASICs. So pretty much with those, you can only ever mine Bitcoin. You couldn't mine any of the other tokens that are out there like Monero. Um, so that those are not affected. However, I would argue those are about to be going the way of the dinosaur. We're not going to see many ASIC machines left, especially when Ethereum gets its act together. I think that, that that's a fad that has kind of ran its course and the energy usage is going to be attacked so much that they're going to be banned almost everywhere. So gaming cards, I think, have to figure out some solution with the semiconductor shortage, number one. Number two, is it the right answer to just spin up a different card to solve mining versus figuring out how to more efficiently mine with what we have, which isn't the card's problem. It's just something they should be involved in solving. That's what I'm saying. You have the resources. You have the money. Rather than putting a hat on a hat, how about you invest some of that into helping solve the way that we mine so that existing equipment can more efficiently do it? I don't know the technicals behind what that would involve. I'm saying that we're talking billions and billions of dollars amongst your NVIDIAs, your AMDs, and Intels of the world, where I'm pretty sure that if they collectively took $1 billion apiece from their coffers into research around mining of cryptocurrency, I'm fairly certain that between the three of them, they could figure out a way to more efficiently mine with existing equipment. They don't have any inclination to do it because they're profit-driven. They'd rather just spin up a new card and compete on that one and let it be the rat race that it's going to be. And it'll be a rat race because there's a semiconductor shortage, which none of them want to solve either because they don't want to pay Americans to build those semiconductors here locally, which would solve that problem very quickly. I'm throwing out my opinion about this. I believe that all the problems we're experiencing from the mining and the hardware is something we could solve. We choose not to, because all of these are profit-driven. That's my summary. And the profit is holding them back from being willing to truly solve the problem to make it more efficient to do what we need to do. And they're exploiting it for all intents and purposes for their own gains at the expense of you and I. Because the decline of mining and that mining revenue is down by over 70%. So it's not in a healthy state. That decline is harmful because we need it. The unfortunate truth is we need it. And until we get to a future state where we don't need it, I would love to see that these companies step up and do their part to try to make it more efficient with the existing hardware we all have. I would love to see Intel figure out how to make what is currently the default chip in every PC you would ever buy, figure out how to allow it to be able to do it, get it to where some of these manufacturers don't throttle their existing cards, which is what they're doing. NVIDIA's newest cards, they basically throttle them to where they can't mine effectively to force you to buy one of the mining ones. This is not the way we should be doing it. And it tells us that they're not on board, really on board with crypto, just like our governments are not on board with crypto. It goes back to what I said before. They're not supporting it and they're not helping it grow. They're doing everything they can to hold it back because those actions basically force us into the same inflation that we're still fighting. And as long as they keep doing that, cryptocurrency cannot survive because everybody's going to be just dumping money into just the hardware. There's a very funny image floating around social media. 
And it talks about the gold rush. And for those outside the United States, the gold rush is a time earlier in our history when it was the stated go West young man. There was a belief at one point that there was a, a lot of gold buried in parts of California. And as a result, there was this rush. That's why it's called the gold rush from the East towards the West to California to set up mining. And they found their gold caches and everything else. However, there, the joke and the meme that's floating is the people who really made money off that are the people who sold the gear, the overalls, the clothes, the hats, the, the pickaxes, the carts. People who sold the equipment to do it probably made more money than the people who were actually doing the mining. And that's what we have here with this situation with the different car manufacturers. And it's not a, I don't like it, it's not an optimal situation. And nobody's doing anything about it, even though it's, it's explicitly, explicitly exploitative on the people who are interested in the business that that's allowed to do that. And with the various governments getting into cryptocurrency, you, one would hope that they would take an active approach to say, no, this is not going to happen. You will not do that. You will not throttle these existing cards. They bought it under the auspice of doing the mining. You cannot limit its functionality but they're not doing it. So that's kind of a problem. Now, let's go ahead and get into our underdog token for the day. And just to kind of circle this one up, because it floated across my desk on a couple of occasions, mostly through social media, and I have not given any attention to it, not because I don't think it's a good project, just it's not for my investment strategy worth the time. But I think it's I think it's fair to at least give it some attention and exposure because you might, based on the explanation or the review, find that it works for you. It just doesn't work for me. This one's called Apollo Inu. ApolloEnuToken.com. Apollo Inu is currently on the Ethereum chain. That means Uniswap for you. When I looked at this one, as, and it resonates because it fits my, one of my industries. So I already saw why there's at least some attention on this dude. And I may at some point at least not invest in it, but support it in some way. But I had a couple of issues that came to surface. First of all, let me talk about high level. What they describe the Apollo Inu token as trying to do is to support content creators. I am a content creator. You know, the basic cryptonomics is content that we create, right? And we have a lot that we present to different platforms, including YouTube, as well as our podcast and Twitter. And this one talking about, we want to help them kind of break out. We want to help them get enough to where they can attract attention. And it's done by way of contests. And when you do a contest in how they build this, you would not, as a creator, you would nominate yourself and say, here's what we do. This is how we work. And then you would share this out across the platforms to say, hey, vote for us. Vote for what we do. Vote for our platform. Vote for our strategy. Anybody who holds a token can vote. The one thing I liked about their voting structure, if you went back to an older episode, I talked about EarnHub. And I mentioned that EarnHub was having issues, and they still are, but they were having issues with the fact that they had gotten breached and with the breach, somebody took a bunch of tokens. They were sitting on them. And as a result, they're going to relaunch their token. 
as any flecked. Well, they were sending it out to the group because it's a DAO, so you have voting rights if you hold. And they said, you know, we don't want to use the DAO for this specific vote because if you if they stole or stole rather these billions and billions of tokens, they're going to have the voting precedence. And what I said was at the time, you should be doing one wallet, one vote, because that gets around the problem. Then it doesn't matter as long as you kept any token, one or one million, you have the equal balance, and so you you negate that. The problem is all DAOs have been built to support the idea that the more tokens you hold, the more strong your vote is compared to the other voters, which I felt was unfair. It basically talks about the way our electoral college works in the United States. That's fine, but I don't think that works in a system where all the investors should be equal. So Apollo, the nice thing they did is they said, no, every holder can only vote once and votes are equal as opposed to the normal way to do it in their DAO they treat it like if you have a wallet, if you hold, regardless how much you hold, you have one vote. And they attributed this apparently to the wallet, which means you could have somebody who has like 10 wallets or 50 wallets, but building wallets is a pain. You could script it and then spin up a bunch of wallets and do all this elaborate stuff. I would argue that it's the vast majority of people not going to waste time doing that. So I like that. I love the fact that they did this. I'm not a fan of the popularity nominate yourself popularity structure. I understand why they did it. I just think that there's a better way to have done that to where it's not the creator nominating themselves. You simply put content out there as a creator in some forum that they would build. And then from there, people that are holders can go to this thing and they can pick the content they like, and then they can add a vote. And we're not necessarily at this point saying that, you know, you could have 10 projects that you give a vote to each one of the 10 because you like all 10 of them. Great. What you're saying is I like all of these, period. Where that starts to get sketchy is that you'd have to rotate the participants somehow. So let's say there's what I'm describing if they're listening, and I'll add them. What I'm describing is let's say that you have 500 creators on the platform. Within the 500 creators, let's say you rotate five of them once a week. And people are expected to come to the portal and these creators, we ask them to submit a work of some kind, whether that's a, an AMA they've done or a YouTube post they've done or a podcast episode they've done or artwork they've done or an NFT they've done, something that you have created that you would like to have somebody chime in and say, yes, we express interest. This is what we like. And you rotate this five. So every week there's a different five and no one project can ever be voted on more than once every two months or something. You do that and then people will apply their votes. And it's again, it's one wallet, one vote. But you can, if you want, you can vote for each project. So say you like all five, you can vote for all five with one thing. You express to the holders that what you'd like them to do is not just vote because you're trying to help them, Vote because you truly legitimately like the content and be genuine because that that vote is an expression of your appreciation of the content creator. So be honest about it. Just express that you want them to be honest about it. Then you tally it up and you determine of the five who got the greatest votes and you do a gold, bronze, silver type situation where there's always a of the five. There's always three winners. Right. And if you've won before in a year. You can't win until the following year so that each person can only win 
once in a year, like some creative way that it's not just me as a creator going in there, essentially begging for somebody to vote on my deal. I'm just a creator. I've logged myself as such. My content's made available. I identify the work that I want them to vote on, which I would have a pretty good candidate in mind. And they will vote or they won't. And then we go from there. I think that's a more randomized, because you have to tie in randomization to it, but a more randomized, more fair, more diverse way, more, I hate the word, but inclusive way of making sure not only all creators get exposure without having to necessarily keep begging, essentially. Um, I just don't think, I know why they did it this way. It's because when they do it to different social media platforms and spread the word, hey, come vote for me on the, 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 you're also increasing exposure and awareness to Apollo. And so it's kind of self-marketing. You're banking on the marketing because they're influencers potentially. And as a creator, they would have followers, but also they might search for the information and then you might stumble across Apollo in you and then you might buy into it because you see the price and you like it. I got the marketing strategy of it. I understand why they did it that way. I'm just not a fan of that as opposed to doing it a little bit differently than the way I described it. Their roadmap, I'm very impressed with. They use a Trello board. If you don't know what Trello is, it's a tool used in technology development, but you can make it public. And what it does is you can bucket statuses. So you can say, you know, status one, status two, status three, or say, you know, in process, in development, pending, project management, whatever statuses you want, and then you can identify a card for each task. And it should be task-driven, but a lot of people abuse it. Um, I don't. I, I like Trello for what it's supposed to do. I don't like it the way that it's generally used in IT. It should not replace a real project management tool, but I would be okay with it as a simple dashboard for end users to just understand what's going on in a simple form. At a high level, what are you really doing and what's the status of a certain thing? I like the fact that it's a Trello board as opposed to a flat roadmap because the Trello board, you can see when things move, you can see who's working on things. So this goes to transparency of people as well. You can see who's assigned to different things. You can also see what things are done. And in project development, there's a concept of definition of done. Definition of done in a simple form simply says, how do we know that something is finished? Can we define what that means? And how do we know what that is? That's definition of done. So for example, let's say I'm building an application to order fast food. The definition of done should be Something along the lines of a user can log into an application on their phone and they can sign up an account and they can order food with their credit card. That's the definition of done. Things like, well, it should be blue, should not fit in the definition of done. Things like it matches our brand standard should be. So having them in this form allows us as investors to see at a high level, which unfortunately leads to my first negative. This launch, I understand why it's a thing. I'm calling it as a negative and it's me and I don't care who disagrees. It's my opinion. This also shares to you what they are actively engaged with that's not development related, but also their outreach, how they are communicating, who they're communicating with and why. So they've done various AMAs and different social media engagements. And I was looking through the different Trellos and one of the topics I saw was 
award game stream giveaway winners. So this says that what they did is they did a stream with Jake again, and he is a influencer on social media. And as part of this, they did a giveaway. There's, I don't mind the giveaway at all. I do mind the fact that Jake again is involved because as we've seen with other tokens, often many of these don't really care about the project. Now in Jake's situation, the hope would be that he is involved as a creator and he's participating in the voting situation as a creator and was not just approached as a shill. That's the hope rather than, because what happens is if you have somebody who's just shilling it, generally it's somebody that doesn't really care about the project themselves. So what we saw was with Kim Kardashian, for example, she was shilling, literally shilling the Ethereum max project to the point that it crapped and then it, they got sued. Floyd Mayweather. So I'm not, a supporter of the Schiller approach at all. If you're involved and invested in the ecosystem so that you are supportive of people who invest in it like them, you're one of them. I'm pretty much okay with that. If you're providing fundamentals and information, I'm pretty much okay with that. Where I have an issue is if all you're doing is shilling it with the intent being that it's going to trash or crap at some point. Now this project, again, being on Ethereum, it's got, uh, two trillion in supply. So its supply is actually very low, which is good. And it has contributed to a strong price movement. So from a general tokenomics perspective, I have no concerns if I just focus on the token now rather than the fundamentals of what they're trying to do. Cool. It seems like they've done a good job. However, I don't, their white paper as they call it, which isn't really a white paper, but their white paper is very detailed in what they want to do and how they want to do it. The only negative I got on that one is it's stuck on that Git book, which I said, it's a good tool, but I don't want your white paper in a Git book. I want your white paper as a flat PDF so I can hold you accountable for changes that I don't expect to be made. It has a 3% reflections for you holding 2% burn, which they say is to stabilize value. And just to be clear, those burn mechanics don't truly stabilize the value unless if you're doing a, you know, like a buyback and liquidity type thing, or you're burning to liquidity or you're doing something that's around liquidity because just burning is not going to stabilize the value at all. And then a 1% contribution that they say is to support up and coming creators. I don't know if that's true. However, because it's a DAO, in theory, they should not be allowed to do anything otherwise because the devs are still involved. It means that they could theoretically just do whatever with the money Nothing would stop them from doing so. To their credit, they seem to have been reasonably transparent about what they're trying to do, and they seem to be out there, and they seem to genuinely want to help people succeed. So I'm not criticizing the team. What I am saying is, number one, I don't want to see situations where we have something like the white paper on a Git book, and there's no flat PDF, and you know, there's no intent that I can see to do a utility like there's it's something that it does right the supporting creators i'm saying a utility i described it a tool that you go in you submit your work and then it does the rotation at the something that's strong utility rather than banking on what i can clearly see is you're just wanting to leverage their social media exposure to increase awareness of the token i understand it from an investor perspective why that might make sense i just don't support it they say that it's audited by way of anti-fraud, 
And it's a t- firm called Sokin, which I never heard of. I can look at it. I'm not going to because I don't want to be biased by it because it's all GitHub. The fact that it's GitHub, I'm not a fan. I, I don't support it at all. But <laughs> there was a mention in the white paper that I, I think it's either. Now, listen, so I, I said it before, especially if you're on YouTube. I haven't said this on the podcast, but I've said it multiple times. I am a straight shooter in a world of sensitivity, and I don't apologize for this. I will call it like I see it. The goal, I think, of anybody who has a concern or challenge or problem or issue with anything I say is come on the show, and I want the smoke, and we can talk it out. I just talked about the Trello board and how in the Trello board there's an entry that said there's a Jake again, and we did a giveaway. I happen to know from other projects that Jake again charges for that service. However, in their white paper, quote unquote, it says, quote, no paid interviews or promotions. Apollo has never paid for advertising or interviews of any kind. This is a contradiction because this means that one of two things must be true. Either A, they're lying in the white paper, which makes me immediately distrust everything else. Or B, Jake again did his out of the, out of the kindness of his heart, which is incompatible with other experiences with him. So, I'm not saying it is or isn't true. I'm saying we need to understand which one it is. Was Did he do this out of the kindness of his heart, which I strongly disbelieve? Or are you lying in your white paper? They might say, well, we just haven't updated it. That means I distrust everything in the white paper. And it's also the reason I want a PDF. Because you could just surreptitiously go and edit that dude out of there. So what I did is I took a screenshot so I could capture at a point in time in contradict to what I saw with this giveaway with Jake again to try to, again, if they get on the show, I can challenge and question that. If they say that Jake didn't charge, Jake's not going to speak to me, but I happen to know from various tokens that I've spoken to that he does charge for his services. So, and they've marked this complete, which is me assumes that it's already been done. And I question that this was truly a thing. So I probably won't get an answer but I documented in the event that the Apollo team wants to come on the show and they want the smoke, then we can talk it out. And hopefully there's a clean answer. And it's probably just that they didn't update their document, which is why I want a PDF so that I can hold you accountable. So you don't make claims that just cannot be substantiated. The price movement for this guy has been reasonably strong. It has not had the same level of disruption over the recent period that many tokens have had. However, it's had challenges in the past and it seems to have pretty good overcome these challenges, partially because it has a constrained inventory, heavily constrained inventory. It's not growing nearly as fast as it once did, but it has a steady amount of growth. I would argue the volume is down from what I would expect it to be, given the fact that it's pretty much based around social media and creators and influencers you would expect that like many of these people we're talking about have hundreds of thousands of followers. And so you would expect that their exposure alone would have given way more than what we see just by virtue of the so-called shill that some of them would have done. And I'm not seeing that reflected in the price movement. That's not to say it's not in a generally healthy state, but just to put it in perspective, it's, it's, it was close to all time high a few days ago. It's all-time high was about a month ago, but it's all-time low was not that long ago. So it's like something went weird and volume seems to be the problem. It seems to not be that there's anything wrong, just that volume is tapering off. 
I can't tell from looking at it whether or not the volume taper is a symptom of people kind of being up on game. Here's my theory, though. I suspect that people are going to cornmarketcap.com and they're looking at the comments box and they're seeing a bunch of people calling it rug pull, scam. It's a pump and dump. This is Satama's other project, which, of course, anything Satama is not good. <laughs> and allegedly, Hinock, which really heavily, heavily, heavily has shilled, I'll call it, uh, Satama in recent, there's a loss of sentiment, I think, when there's a heavy amount of that. I think that's playing, I think that's playing factor into it. People call it, their uh, rug pull is the most common uh, that's happening here. Uh, people seem to think that it's not legitimate. I can't say yay or nay because it's on the Ethereum chain. I'm not able to run my simple tool around it. I would say that from what I can tell, it appears to be predominantly based on the hype of social media and influencers and followers and, and banking on the fact that they'll spread the word around those platforms to their various followers to grow the token project from everything I can see. I would have two main concerns. Number one, as I said before, either your white paper is a lie or Jake again did something out of the goodness of his heart, which I don't believe you. If you told me that, so that's number one, that would be a concern. Um, the fact that you even went to him is a concern because I think what happened November 13th with Satama turned a lot of people off to him in general. So that also could play a factor. People saw that, okay, you're involved with that dude too. And he tanked that token. He might tank this one as well. So that's problem number one I see is this, what, what is his involvement with the project? And problem number two is potentially the, the fact that going after the so-called chillers, et cetera, I think there's a sentiment change and people are certain people are getting smarter about it and they're not, you know, they're no longer falling for that trap because it is somewhat of a trap to get in that because you just FOMO into it. I think they're getting smarter about it. This is my theory. I'm sharing my thoughts here. That could play a factor. The other factor is as far as being a rug pull by definition of said, I'm not sure that there's a rug pull. I don't know that I can say that it's at risk of it. Token Sniffer, which is a tool I've used on occasion, but not too frequently, but Token Sniffer seems to think it's a decent contract. Their concern is the liquidity is not locked. So is it possible that this dude could be rug pulled? They seem to think that the ownership's renounced, which means that you couldn't directly yank the liquidity. However, as I mentioned before, you always could have a situation where there's a function that allows you to drain the liquidity, even if you're not the owner of the contract. So is it possible? Yes. Likelihood, there's just no real way to know. And I would say approach it with caution. If you do look at it, I encourage you to look at it and see if it makes sense for you. Just approach it with caution. Be tentative and smart about your investment. Don't YOLO into the dude. Please don't. Um, because I, it's hard to t- it's hard to say. I, I'm not going to call them a scam. I can't. I don't have enough information to be in a position to call them an outright scam. From what I can tell, the contract is clean. From what I can tell, the functions are clean and the mechanics are clean. And it's really just a matter of this open liquidity being potentially a problem and the uncertainty that they could yank the liquidity. I don't think it's an issue of motivation, right? That they would be motivated to yank something from you. The growth is a bit 
sketchy just because its growth is not normal for a standard token. Like the growth I would see would make sense for a rebase token. It wouldn't make sense for a standard non-rebase token, but that could be a symptom of the, the, the population. We're talking influencers and creators. And I can't say for a fact without significant analysis that the, the creators themselves are not pumping the price, like just doing buys, incremental buys to make it look like it's to the moon, let's not go, right? And then they shill it on social media. That could be a factor too. I can't say that it is or isn't, and I make no accusations. I'm saying it is possible that that could be happening. I do see in Dex tools that there's a number of buys that are recurrent buys from the same contract wallet with very few sales from those same. So that's also a possibility that might lend itself well to an issue. However, people who are signed up on Dex tools seem to trust the project and they seem to think it's a good thing. I can't necessarily say that is or isn't definitive because you could again have those same influencers who are just pitching it as a trustworthy project to get people to buy into this thing to show bags. Also, we don't know enough with this project about how it's going to pan out in the big picture long term. This one just launched, I want to say, what, January for this dude? It just launched. It hasn't been around for a long time. And one thing I've always advocated is I think it's important. Yeah, January. So I think it's important that we evaluate performance over time, first and foremost. I think the involvement with influencers is a concern from my perspective. I, I like their messaging and what they claim to want to do but I'm a bit skeptical about their ability to execute the way that they're claiming. And I would like to see a different structure that does not favor those that beg for votes. If that makes any sense. Like when you have a project like this, where basically the only way you can get in is to sign up and then beg for votes from people that that's shill. That's like shilling. You're, you're shilling as a shiller to get a shill, to get a vote, to get this reward. I I'm not a fan of it. I would rather see something that's randomized. You take whoever's in the pool, you rotate five and you do rules that say you can only win once, once a year. And you just put a submit a content and let people vote fairly and freely. Then it's not you having to shill it on social media. You as a creator are free, obviously to say, Hey, go vote for our project up over here. But it's not a requirement that you do. So you might just say, look, we'll just let the investor existing investors do what they're going to do. Think about it. If I shill, let's say I were, I'm not, but let's say I were an influencer and I got a million followers, right? Of my million followers, let's say a hundred of them bought into the project. What it seems like they're doing is they're banking on this notion that I could get the rest of the 999,000 to buy into the project because they support me so that they can get a return by me winning. Like that's what it feels like. And that, I, I won't say unethical, that's the wrong word. It feels immoral. It feels like you're exploiting, in a way, people that would never buy into the project other than support your person. So I'm not telling you not to invest in this. I want to be clear. I'm not telling you it's a scam because I don't see scam. There are some red flags, but I don't see scam. I'll tell you that me personally, I wouldn't invest in it because even though I am a content creator, I'm not a fan of having to beg for votes, number one. I'm never going to beg for votes. I'll ask, hey, like, share, subscribe. But that's a that's not a beg. You either do it or you don't. And if you don't, it doesn't matter because people will still stumble across it, right? So 
I'm not a fan of the begging for votes structure that they have. I like the constrained inventory. I have no problem with that. So I have no problem with the inventory at all. I love it. And the price movement seems decently strong. But I think my guess on this one is it won't sustain long-term. That's my guess. My guess is that based on the volume I'm seeing, that this is one where it had its day and people are starting to wake up to, you know what, this is just shilling. It's, it's shilling 101. I think it's wrong to call it a rug pull yet because we, we can't know if there is or isn't a function that does. I looked at the contract, I don't see one, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. They get creative with how they hide the functions. I don't see one and the contract looks clean. So I, I would guess it's not a rug pull by definition. It feels more like there are certain people getting enriched. Possibly the, the uh, devs are getting enriched because I'm sure they have wallets. Since it's Ethereum, I can't run it through market moves. That's Binance. But I would figure that they probably have wallets and they're being enriched by the activity of people, which is why they want more people to show the product so they can get further enriched. And then, oh, by the way, you can get enriched too if you buy into it. I'm cool with that. It's their token and I will never criticize it. But I'm a bit sketchy on the price movement, the buys and sells that I can't see for sure. You could theoretically have, this is my auditor hat coming on. You could theoretically have some of these influencers who are basically faking buys and sells. Not really faking, but they're, they're creating artificial pump, right? Because they're going in and they're creating artificial activity to make it seem like this is hot and heavy and then shilling it to their followers to get them to buy into the thing. And listen, I probably pissed off whoever influencer creator, if they care, but at the end of the day, my podcast and my channel on YouTube, and I will share this token on YouTube. because I think it's important that I put a stance <laughs> that I'm clear, crystal clear and transparent. That way you can hold me accountable. And I expect you to personally, I would not buy into it. My, my portfolio strategy is incompatible with what they're doing based on the data I see. Now, what would get me convinced to support it and buy into it? Number one, we need to resolve that statement in the white paper. If you have approached Jake again, what we know is that he charges for his service. He has charged for AMAs before. He charged Perrine, I believe, and he charged many other tokens. So if that's true, and I'm not him and I'm not in his books, but if he charges for his service, and that means he likely would have charged you for this. If he didn't charge you, I would find that sketchy because why would he pick and choose who he charges? That's showing favoritism. And if I were anybody else he charged, I'd be pissed. So that's, as a creator myself, I'm like, that's almost, it, it's immoral, right? Let's say he didn't charge for this. So that's stance number one. Let's say he didn't. You chose not to charge for this, but you charge this other one over here, $15,000 or whatever you charged. That's it's moral. Why would you do that? And I would distrust it. If this was, again, I go back. If this was the stock market, that would be absolutely unacceptable and borderline illegal in some situations, depending on the circumstances. So there's that. But let's say that he did charge. Your white paper specifically says, and it's pretty adamant when you say it, that you don't charge that you do not collect money for this. You don't do paid interviews or promotions. You straight say this and you straight say that you're about community growth. You straight say that you're doing it around trust. So if it's true that he charged you and you paid him anything, whether it's a now could be wordsmithing, 
Are you saying you didn't give him money out of pocket, but instead you dropped him tokens? If you gave him anything of value greater than, say, a dollar, you paid him something. If you paid him something, your white paper straight up lies, which means I can't trust the rest of your white paper, which means my trust is now eroded. And it goes back to the importance of why I like a PDF white paper so that I can hold these things accountable. And as an investor or potential investor, you should be doing the same exercise. You should analyze what they tell you versus performance versus the behavior. All three should be looked at to understand what are you telling me? And as long as it matches what they told you, you're good. If something's not clicking, you should make sure, hey, wait a minute, something's wrong here. What the hell's going on with my project? You're not telling me the truth here, dudes. And trust should be eroded. I had the same concern with Titano, and I covered that extensively on YouTube. Check that out if you want. But that's it's serious to me because as an investor, I can't trust you, even if it's even if I can see that the dude should make me millions of dollars at some point. I can't trust you with my money if I can't trust information that you give me and you're not performing like you told me or you're contradicting the performance against your written information. I, why should I trust you with my money? Ethically, I don't want you to be enriched by me. Like That's me. That's how I work. You have to determine your own strategy and your own beliefs because you may not care. You may just see dollar signs and go in it. That's fine. That is your strategy. I share it because it's what we do. I will share how I stand on things and go with it and be confident in it. So, ApolloEmuToken.com, if you want to check that out, again, on the Ethereum chain, it is not on any exchanges, so you would need to buy it through Uniswap if you are interested in buying it. Take a look at that one. If you think it makes sense, by all means. I will gladly share this on social media via the YouTube channel. But this, for the podcast listeners, I felt it was good to get back to an underdog token, and this one took me a little bit to just dig in do some analysis, make sure I was clear in what I was seeing, and I'm only going off what I'm seeing. And hopefully, if they're willing to, if they're willing to come on the show, I want to smoke. I would love to talk them, talk through some of this stuff and hopefully lend some credibility to the project and maybe help them out. I'm not even going to charge you for that visit. That's how beautiful it should be. So that's all I got for you today. I need to wrap up here so I can get ready for my guest on Gentleman's World recording. It's a very exciting guest, very interesting guest. He's a good speaker. I'm excited to talk to him. I'm glad now that we got the new cadence for basic cryptonomics. I think it's in a good spot for future growth. And to reiterate, the next time you will hear my voice on basic cryptonomics on the podcast, I mean, is Tuesday, this coming Tuesday is the next time that there'll be an episode published. Tuesday, of course, is the 22nd. And you're like, that's a long time. If you just can't wait and you can't get enough, our YouTube channel is updated more frequently with more content that is more varied in nature. So you can always check our YouTube channel out, subscribe there, and hear more updates. And these are more, they're very specific to tokens I've covered before or their concepts around crypto that are not, they don't really fit in the podcast I've tried to fit them in and it was kind of square peg round hole. So any content that felt like it didn't fit in the podcast goes to our YouTube channel. And there's a lot of content there. There's at least one every other day, I would say, posted. And they're generally five to 30 minutes, depending on the content. So if you simply cannot wait, then make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel in addition to the podcast, because there's always content on the podcast that won't be on YouTube. 
So you're getting the best. You're getting the guests when I get them scheduled, whenever they want the smoke. You get those. YouTube does not. You're getting a lot of this analysis, deep analysis first, because I always publish the podcast first for tokens coverage. And then it goes to YouTube after the fact. You're also getting the news. You're getting a lot more information. So being subscribed to both is not a bad thing. You may be anti-YouTube. I'm anti-YouTube. I'm just saying if you can't stand not being with the sound of my voice for that long, then please do subscribe on YouTube. We would welcome you there as well. That's all I got for you folks. I will check back in with you Tuesday. Hopefully it's been an enjoyable episode and I will share this out to the Apollo team and hopefully I can get them on the show because listen, I want to smoke and if they're legit, I'm happy to support them as well.